Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk episode, uh, well, what is it? 722 recording today live, uh, four o'clock uh, UK time, uh, streaming via Twitch, via YouTube, via, uh, uh, well, where else are we going? I can't remember now. Some other places, YouTube, Twitch, and um, uh, no, that's it. I, I forget. This is a music technology podcast. So how, why would I know anything about streaming technology? Uh, well, in fact, I have to because obviously we're doing quite a lot of this. And one of the new things that we're bringing in, which I think I'll just throw up, uh, if you've got any questions for the panel, um, you uh, just need to uh, leave a comment with beginning with uh, two capital Qs. And we'll hopefully pick that up in our uh, slightly clunky but getting better comment question picking up system uh, it system so anyway do uh, please do join us uh, and uh, we will would be happy to have you also uh want to say uh, think about joining our patreon we've got a ton of stuff going on in the patreon at the moment uh really picked it up since the shows i know it went a bit lax uh, we're thinking of introducing another tier which we'll uh, talk about some other time uh but we've also got some other things coming up in fact i should mention uh we've got uh, uh, this exclusive f9 audio kick set of samples uh, there's kick bodies and kick uh, transients which you can mix together uh, with reverb and blend and whatnot and that's because we've just done an interview with James Wilshire and this is one of the Patreon freebies that uh, we'll be going to our upper tier members uh, so um, please uh, consider joining us on Patreon in fact if you do it before the end of the show I've also updated the Patreon uh, su uh, supporters so it's now scrolling credits I'm hoping that's going to work because I'm going to look like a right chump if it doesn't um, but uh, so yeah if you're in quick you'll be there because it's a live feed so it will actually work anyway enough of the housekeeping all that business let's get on to other matters let's say hello to our guests uh, we'll start off actually with uh, mr robin vincent of molten modular how are you robin you're looking well hello if a little heated yeah, is it hot where you are it is you, you, any instagram followers will be pleased to know that i'm no longer naked <laughs> i'll just i can tell at least from the waist <laughs> up Yes, it's nice. It's warm. I'm feeling gooey. So yeah, I'm ready to to talk about your stuff. What's been going on in your world? Have you got um, uh, what reviews have you got on your uh, excellent YouTube channel? Have you been doing some? Uh, I noticed a couple of uh, posts where you uh, you were cursing the unavailability of the right kind of MIDI DIN uh, to stereo mini jack adapters. So I'm assuming you got something cooking. Yeah, well, I was on a hiding to nowhere because I got a, a Moog Mavis kind of later than everybody else. So I thought, right, now is my, now is the time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to compare it with a bunch of other little desktop synths. And I spent a whole morning trying to get MIDI to work before I unpacked the Mavis and realized it doesn't have any MIDI. <laughs> but I did a lovely little jam with this uh, new MIDI cake arpeggiator thing that I, uh, that I was sent, which was fun. So I, I had a fun time with it and got like five minutes of uh, bleepy, bloopy noises out of everything else but ultimately it it sort of failed to do anything with the mavis but i've done a little bit on it this morning so i feel like i'm moving in the right direction now it's fun isn't it i must admit i was expecting to be somewhat disappointed uh, just because it feels it doesn't feel like full moog uh, or moog sorry because mm. uh, you know when you've done the grandmother and the matriarch you kind of thought wow those were so substantial but actually it's got a nice just a nice vibe about it i mean yeah you're still getting a bit of a premium um um, let me just check. Oh, sorry. Matt is saying he can't see everybody. So I'm just going to make sure I've got, yeah, here we go. Uh, I'll get him sorted out. Excuse me a second. What, what did you think about that? Um, Robin, do, do you think it's cool? 
Yes. I mean, it's evidently cool because many, many people are telling me so. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, having, I'm trying my best to put that to one side and actually compare it to some similar desktop synths. And on first impressions, it's, it's not got a whole lot going for it, but I'm going to give it some time and hopefully uh, create something fantastic within its context. Uh, but mm, on its top, yeah. it's a little bit lacking compared to yeah. you know, Create Audio or uh, Dreadbox or Ooh, you know, those Barringer. sorts of players. Yeah. So, yeah. but at the same time, it's got Moog stamped on it, so we that always exactly. uh, gives it a thing. It definitely does. Anyway, well, thanks for that uh, brief bit of insight. We've also got Mr. Matt Hodson, aka Maths. Uh, that's at Maths, Maths, Maths. So he's an educator. He's a live performer, and uh, been doing some videos for us at Sonic as well. Uh, more of those on the way at some point mm. in the near future. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Um... I'm glad it's not as hot today, so I'm, I'm with you guys on that one because uh, I don't fare very well in this heat or being in the studio. I don't know about you, but I tend to try and do all my writing and studio work over autumn and Christmas and spend this time of year trying to be outside and be a bit more active playing live and that kind of things. Or at least that's, that's what I try and do. What a wise man you are. That seems like <laughs> an eminently sensible thing to do compared to what the rest of us, or certainly myself, yeah. uh, is doesn't doing. always Although work out like that. I am. A, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah. So have you got any more gigs coming up? Because uh, you did that great rig rundown, which went really well. Uh, people seem to respond yeah. really well to that. Yeah. Thanks for that. That was really, really interesting to do. And actually watching it back, you you learn stuff about yourself, don't you? When you see yourself play live or you hear yourself play live, you it kind of clicks into place. Like, oh yeah, I think I know what my music's about now. You know, when you go out and perform live, you you get a totally different perspective than when you're just making stuff in in the studio or even when you just put stuff out online. Just connecting with an, an audience and seeing them connect with it or not connect with it, and learning from that and and taking that back to the studio is really important. I. I started off making really quite a lot of ambient music when I when I started playing out live and I soon realized that that wasn't really going down well in a live scenario and I went back to the studio and essentially thought right okay I need to grab people's attention and it and it worked its way back into the way that I produce music so yeah I recommend it to anyone anyone who's making music if you can even if you're playing in a local coffee shop or a pub or an open mic Get yourself down there and play some of your tunes out if you can, and it, it will give you a completely different perspective on on your music for sure. Excellent. Uh, again, more wise words. I can't believe the knowledge and uh, and uh, wisdom coming <laughs> from our panel today. Awesome, uh, Paulie. No pressure on you then. Uh, so nice to see you again, Paulie. Oh, Alex Bow. Oh, oh, I've got a jingle for the, you. Um, the chat. Oh, oh yes. yeah, the chat. I, I put that in as a reminder to myself that <laughs> that was the name of your new YouTube channel. So uh, obviously, yeah. you know, that's that's why it's there. How are you? Yeah, that's been going well this week, actually. I've done my script. I've filmed most of the video. So I've just got to probably put it together over the weekend and job done, basically. I'll have, a, I'll have my first episode. But yeah, hey. um, oh, I, enjoyed about, I enjoyed the chat about um, performing live because it is a very different kind of paradigm to to studio work you know i mean i um i played live with my band around the pubs and clubs of birmingham for like probably about 5 6 7 years um and it was a very interesting experience i've got to say and you can see which um 
tracks the audience really connect with, you know, and which ones they're like, oh, I'm going to go out for a fag break now, now that this track right. is on. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, actually, but do- it's um, the act was called, quite unusual name, Elmo Sex Whistle. So if you want to hear some chaotic live industrial music, uh, go and check out my old band. I think Wagyu, um, Wagyu's heard it <laughs> and likes it. But yeah, I've had a good I've heard week. the name, um, definitely. My baby's come back home after from the guitar shop. Oh, nice. So my little Esquire's come back home with some new brass saddles. That so I'm very, nice. very happy that she's Highly home polished. Safe. Yes. Do you find with those yeah, saddles that... Do you do you find that a trick that I used to do with the telecasters? Sorry to interrupt. Um, That's okay. With those saddles, because I've got a telly. And what I tend to do with those three saddles, I I tend to bend them slightly to one side to get the intonation right. Because you know the, the strings yeah. come over. It, one saddle is for two strings, isn't it? So it is. I tend to bend them to get them right. I don't know if you've ever had that problem, but it's something I do. Yeah. Um... I went and bought some Wilkinsons, which I think have some kind of compensation built into them, so you can wiggle them right. a bit more. Um, but the 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 guitar shop did all of that for me, basically. They got it sounding bang on, so I just have to not mess it up now when I restring it, you know, in a, <laughs> in a few months' time. <laughs> yeah, there's always that. Uh, yeah. I was curious what you're saying about live. I mean, because the thing is, obviously, if you test your stuff out live... What people yeah. want from music live is not necessarily what they want from listening and what they might buy. I just wonder if there's anyone's got uh, any thoughts about the difference there. I mean, that that I mean, if it, we could all figure that out, then we'd probably um, might be making a living out of music well, one day. Who knows? But yeah, I, th- I guess people go to shows, don't they, for entertainment? They want that. I'm here at a gig, entertain me, do something more than it being a passive experience, I suppose. They want to, they want to be part of it and connect with it, um, which usually means, like, make me, yeah, entertain me, uh, that kind of thing, I guess. Is that why we go to gigs? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anymore. My bassist yeah. entertained people on his own. My bassist has such the largest afro in the world that I've seen. <laughs> so him just standing there, you know, playing bass and... And, and moshing about was entertainment on its own, really. <laughs> nice. Well, I suppose we could get on with some topics. Uh, we do have topics, obviously. Uh, there is also, like I say, we will be uh, introducing the concept of questions. If you've got any questions for the panellists, uh, put them in the, the, uh, the comments started with QQ in the live stream and we'll try and get around to it. Incidentally, if you use Twitter sort of between shows, something comes up. If you do a tweet to at Sonic State and then QQ, that'll pick up as well. In fact, I have a I have a question that came in via that very method. So anyway, let's take a look. This is kind of exciting. Uh, oh, uh, what am I looking for? The right button. That's it. Uh, here we go. It's this one.
yeah, this is the mega, mega... Um, it's a flyby of the massive, uh, they say, or it's the largest warehouse in Europe. This is the Toman thing. I just had no idea of the scale of this. This is like Amazon kind of technology. There's loads of interesting facts and figures to this. But I just thought, if you wondered why, you know, Toman seemed to have everything and they could do it at affordable prices, and this isn't a plug or anything. This was just, I was genuinely shocked at the, just the scale of what's going on here. And this is uh, somebody flying a racing drone around it. Uh, and I just thought, crikey. Now I understand why they've kind of effectively kind of taken, um, well, taken the t taken a lot of business from a lot of places because they're just so so efficient. It's astonishing. Uh, Robin, I suppose we should come to you. I know that uh, Gear News are kind of linked to Toman, and Toman often um, they will support. They do support quite a lot of websites just for keeping them out. They're quite hands off though, so I suppose I should give that caveat. But have you been? Have you actually been to the warehouse and seen that? Because it's surprised that would. I'd love to go. I, I've been to Toman a couple of times, but I haven't actually been inside the warehouse. But it's it's horrifying somehow. I think. I mean, having worked in London music shops uh, back in the day, the the just the scale. The I mean, how how much are we spending on gear? It just seems incredible. I mean, we used to fill we used to fill an entire transit from Turnkey in the late nineties for our you know mailing stuff out on one day, you know, and we thought we were doing well. I mean, I remember <laughs> we went. We went from Turnkey over to Toman to sell them the idea on the Carillon audio system, the, the Carillon computer we were making. And it was just mind boggling back then. And this is 20, 25 years ago. And it was huge then. And we were, we at Turnkey thought we were the biggest shop in Europe. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. But I mean, more recently, their, their huge warehouse is, is extraordinary. The amount of stuff they've got is, is amazing. And, um, I don't. I mean, it's almost to the scale that there's there's no there's no question of competing. You just have to do your own thing. You know, I don't think yeah, I don't I think, think Toman negates any of the other shops that are out there. They just all have to do do their own thing in their own way. That's uh, that's all that means. Yeah, I suppose so. I guess when you buy modular stuff, Matt, it's not always from you know such mega. I mean, there are some amazing statistics in here. I'm going to just throw a few about just because I can. Uh, uh, it's basically uh, it's 28 minutes to fulfil an order, 1 million cubic metres in volume on 120,000 square metres of floor space. Uh, this is in uh, Treppendorf in Germany, wow. which is uh, sort of in the middle. It's an astonishing thing. It does, I mean, I imagine if I was going to start a music store, I might look at that and just go, yeah, no, I'm not going to bother. There's no point. Well, it's it's good to see that they are employing so many people as well, and it's not all automated robots yet, that kind of thing. So that's good. And it's difficult out there right now for sellers there's um you know i try and support a lot of the um the uk sellers i must admit when i'm buying this stuff um and sadly uh, one closed recently or is closing down matek modular um yeah, hey matt cool. and yeah sadly i mean he's he's been he's just it's just unfortunate that that he's having to close down he's got a sale coming on please do go there and support him as he as he winds that down but um it's tough out there right now. It's it's really tough out there, and not to mention a lot of the places they can't get the components for some of the modules. So they've got back orders, and um, people are starting to cancel them. I mean, I, I've just received this, which is the Quadrax by Intelligel, and um, I was very lucky to get this because of the components that they still can't get. This came out on a on a very sort of low quantity batch, um, and I know some people have. Put in orders. I ordered this about a year ago, 
Um, wow. And it's just okay. come. And so I know some people are cancelling these orders. So the, the sellers have had that money in the bank, which has been good for them, um, and the, the kind of secured sales. But now people are sort of cancelling them and going, well, look, I've been waiting a year now. I'm, I don't want that module anymore. I want to, I don't know, I need to move house or I need to um, buy a car now. So I need that money back and that kind of thing. So I think that's that's hitting them quite a lot. Um, this mm. this warehouse is in Germany, isn't it? I think. Yeah, Treppendorf. This one that we've seen here, yeah. So I think it's the only one. I, right? I thought, I, the, yeah, I think I think it's the only one. How's mm. how is it these days? Has anyone got any experience with buying stuff from the EU and getting it shipped to uh, the UK? Because I've done it once or twice, and I got stung quite big on on import duties fees now and or taxes or something like that. Have Have you experienced that, anyone? I haven't had it's a been, I've, I've find, had various experience with it. I know I, I bought the the pizza from Bastol uh, recently, and that was a disaster of, of paperwork and taxes and yeah. custom things. But I've had other things from Tome and through with no bother at all. So okay. know, it's, it seems to be quite random. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Paulie, I, I mean, you know, it's it's always nice to support the little guys, but some, as we know with the rise of Amazon, convenience is king, you know, when it's particularly particularly if it's an impulse buy with which with music you sort of have if you think about it too long and then you then you give yourself another cooling off period, you're never going to buy anything because you wouldn't be allowed for various reasons. <laughs> Yeah, all those kind of late night drunken purchases. Oh, I need a, a new visa mount for my keyboard stand or something, you know. Um, I really need another desktop synth <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. But I have um, I have purchased from Tommen in the past, but not recently. Um, I've tried to, I have kind of tried to support um, UK um businesses just kind of i'm kind of scared of of being bit by that eu stuff mm. you know the yeah. the kind of import stuff so i've been buying most of my stuff from like andertons or juno.co.uk um at the moment um but yeah it's um i guess it's a tricky time with the component shortage isn't it Absolutely. Um, well, we do we do have a, a story about that a little bit later on as well. So yeah, we we will. Yeah. I mean, I suppose uh, similarly that. in the US. I mean, you know, I imagine Sweetwater have got a similar kind of facility or several facilities and do all of that kind of stuff. And in fact, I'm sure um, I think it was Adorama who are kind of little known or BH Photo. They've got these amazing kind of conveyor belt picking systems and it seems like that's the way that's the way it's going. And I I, I was looking at that. I was thinking, God, it must have been so much fun. Mm-hmm. sitting there and going oh let's design this system i mean i love that kind of inventing special <laughs> widgets to do this and that looks like it would have been such a laugh and so much kind of enjoyment to actually do that on that massive scale i mean obviously you know they're the they're the elephant in the room when it comes to sort of um the power that they have but you know it, it, i also find it really encouraging that in our what is essentially quite a niche or we think is quite, quite a niche industry that that sort of level of industry can be supported which i think is mm. possibly good i mean does that is that a positive it feels like it probably yeah well i what i loved seeing in that is that warehouse full of all that kit just says to me how accessible music technology equipment is these days compared to you go back to the 70s 80s it was really expensive it was quite hard to get stuff like this you know um and all our desktop synths and that we are really really spoiled and it was it's wonderful mm-hmm. seeing that because it just makes me think about all the creators out there still having a go, 
still moving forward and buying stuff and and uh, being creative and and that kind of thing that's that's what i love to see in that video actually yeah absolutely and i can i can throw i can no i can thoroughly agree with that and that feels like <laughs> a, a good point um i think what i'll do is i'll just drop a little uh, message from our friends over at isotope at this point because uh, well why not isotope producers club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And of course, we do thank them for their continued support of the show. And in fact, if you head over to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, there's a special landing page there with uh, instructions on how to save 10% uh, off all your purchases apart from subscriptions and hardware. And that often applies to uh, flash sales, like you can see at the top. Reverb starting at one at 19 bucks. You could probably get another 190 off that. Use the code Sonic10. Uh, once again, we thank them very much for their support. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, right, I thought I might go a little bit more um, a bit lighter perhaps uh, rather than get straight into the uh, chip shortages just because you know feels like it's it, it's an easy it's easy to get down that rabbit hole so i'm going to go in with the, uh, the the brand new instrument concept from yamaha what do you think <laughs> i don't know quite what i was expecting but it wasn't this this looks like a health and safety nightmare what happens if you pump it up too much did it explode <laughs> this is a kind of collab i think they basically have to get they're getting their kind of engineers from different departments because remember yamaha is a massive massive um there we go here's the musical bit yeah kind of it's like a, you know they obviously have a bit of a brains trust and they try and get different departments to kind of come up with ideas and do that sort of thing i have to say this was a bit but this one I think this one is the one that they should make. This is this is a really interesting. These are called uh, what are they called? Rith rhythm bots. Check this out. This is much more. Um, so these little things, they look great. So it's whistling, it links up with your app, and then there are these little bots with, I guess, uh, solenoids in them. Gets the tempo. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is the one I want. Oh, coming up now. <laughs> that one. I want that one. Not that one. I, I mean, obviously, they put a lot more effort into the R&D because the, the last one looked like it was just a virtualization. So it's not quite... Uh, so I just thought it was, you know, I, I know, Robin, you know, we all were kind of mm. going, is it the CS80? 
And no, in fact, Wagner put a great uh, comment in. It's like, I want my CS80, but uh, that didn't, didn't happen, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, every time Yamaha R&D poke their head up above the parapet, it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> but no, no. We're, we're going to play with our environment. We are going to uh, jam along with our living rooms, which is nice. I mean, I'm sure Alexa will get uh, involved in that and then it will be chaos, which is, which is good. We, we like a bit of that. I wonder if it's possible to have two Alexas talking to each other and getting them to respond so you can leave them to have an argument. That might be an interesting experiment or make some music. I don't know. But yeah, I like this one. I don't know, Matt. I, you, I saw you basically, you know, almost collapsed on the floor with this. Uh, it's well, the, not yeah, really... I mean, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me. Um, you remember see that Sorry. episode, The Simpsons, where Homer Simpson gets to design the car of his dreams and they just let let him go for it and he designs this car and it's got pizza holder on it and a propeller and all this kind of stuff and it's just ridiculous it kind of reminded me of that a little bit can you nick can you put a link to that second video in the chat was that yamaha uh, who was that uh, i may be able to yeah that was yamaha too uh let me see that was yamaha that, too uh, now that yeah that's interesting that i really like that that is kind of a bit eerie as well, isn't it? I mean, imagine sitting in your room and just whistling away and then all these kind of objects around you start going in time. And they, they all they all reminded me of uh, that film, Batteries Not Included, you know, with the little flying spaceships, yeah. that kind of thing. I like, mm. I like that. I like, that's like futuristic to me. That that thing with I, the propeller yeah, and that the kind the of sculpture thing. No, I don't know what if, that is. If that was, a, yeah, if that was a Kickstarter, I definitely would support the rhythm bot. I don't know. Definitely. What about you, Paulie? I like the little symbol as well. Yeah, yeah, there's something really about cool. it. Just going ding. I've been making a great alarm clock. What a nice way to wake up, you know, with a little sort of. Definitely. It be it reminds me a little bit of. Uh, do you remember? Um, ah, oh, what was it? Uh, uh, Bagpuss, where they had the kind of toys. They would all sort of like make these little <laughs> yeah. musical things, and you know, you imagine it'd be like being woken up by well, Just maybe some freaky freaky puppets. Might what happens the if they go up. sentient and rogue? <laughs> that's the question. I don't know. That's a. There is There'll a, be yeah, too much cowbell. jewels caught in a piece of symbol. <laughs> no, I, nothing. I, I like to think that mine wouldn't fit quite in there. Other parts of me probably would, but uh, yeah, it, they're very small. I'm not trying to make it. Uh, anyway, no. let's uh, move on. Um, yeah, I just thought it was, this was a bit of fun, but it's. I suppose the thing is, it, it's very similar, it's, isn't it? They, they, I know Google do similar things, and YouTube used to. Some of the sort of big tech corporations used to do these things where you get these kind of blue sky projects to where you can have a side project to your day job, which might be the tedium of, of, of designing or tinkering with AI algorithms. And then one of your little side projects might be something really good fun. And, you know, we often see it at Google Labs, isn't it? That, so it's, I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. I just wish, um, wish it was... I suppose it's designed not to be uh, in the core kind of slot of what these various departments do. So we shouldn't expect too much of it, but um, yeah. I wonder say, if, if these, I just wonder if these things are then kind of, they do these things, put them out on there on the internet and then read the comments and watch the responses before, you know, hitting any buttons. It's like, okay, let's just put stuff out there. Let's see what people's reactions are. Cause we actually might be surprised that people want this kind of, trumpet on wheels with a suction pump on it you know they that might happen um i don't think it has but but yeah i wonder if if they use essentially as guinea pigs um to get a response and you can you can do that on social media can't you you can you can put anything out there and check out what the response is and then sort of um 
find your path or whatever it is you're going to put out there and that, that kind of thing. Do you think it's their version of Kickstarter, um, but without actually yeah. the... Yeah, well, maybe, maybe so. so. Maybe. Well, we could be contributing to either one of those projects becoming a thing. Imagine. We're I'm part sure of the algorithm, tr- Nick. Part, yeah, part of the algorithm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. That feels a little bit, uh, yeah, I don't know whether I'm, I, I want to be that. But anyway, it was a bit of fun. Not an awful lot to do with uh, music. Maybe we should get onto something that's actually got something to do with some synths because uh, uh, I'm feeling like uh, maybe we're losing, we're losing our audience. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see what this one. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> This is the new Make Noise XPO, which is a stereo oscillator. That's probably a bit loud. Uh, and has stereo PWM. I mean, what's not to like? Stereo PWM, uh, pris- stereo prismatic, uh, PW- stereo PWM, stereo fold, timbre shifting, and five mod- mod- mono outputs. This is going to be available in September, I think. Uh, I think it's about 350-ish. Oh, I don't know. I think there's something. There, there's some other demos there with some great stereo PWM. I'm going to come to you first, Robin, because you are yeah. also modular. Um, have you have you been uh, have you been told you're getting one of these to review? Would you have you tried any other? Make Good lord, stuff? no! Do make noise, re- don't give anything away. No, um, <laughs> not not as far as I'm aware. Although, of course, you know, always always happy to. I, I don't know. The, the XPO is a slightly it's a slightly weird one. I mean, there's a lot of complex oscillators around at the moment. It all seems to be the thing to jam oscillators into each other is is what needs to be done, and the XPO is kind of that. But it's it it wants to operate in its own place. I mean, what I thought was really remarkable about the video was all of the the staff at the end giving their own little patches. Uh, and that was brilliant because so often you get a, a single demo from a single person on a module and it only ever gives you one or two flavors. Whereas at the end, there was such a diverse range of stuff that I was actually quite liking it. <laughs> and starting off not being very much into FMing and audio rating stuff, particularly um, by the end of it, I thought, well, this is a magnificent thing. But it's very much, it exists within its own paradigm. So you need a stereo system, you need a stereo Eurorack it operates beautifully within their own modules. And I kind of think if it sat there next to my my crappy DIY modules and my other bits of pieces, it's not really going to, my system wouldn't benefit from it because I don't have that kind of stereo routing. I don't have enough modules to, to do it because you need two of everything or you need stereo modules. So it, it's kind of very, very niche for its own you know, a hipster make noise crowd, I think. And for that, it's awesome. And it will fit into that beautifully. But I think for the rest of us, it's, it's it might just pass us by. And there, I think there are other more, perhaps more interesting complex oscillators that just do the regular mono thing that might, uh, yeah. that would fit us better if that's what you're into. Mm, I suppose so. And make noise, I mean, I know that there is a sort of, there's a hipster vibe to it, but they're, they're one of the biggest selling module makers, I believe, if you talk to any mm. of the sort of major retailers. They really sell a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I really like the uh, Z- the O-Coast and uh, I'd like, st- uh, was it Strager? That's the one, or uh, I think that's what it yeah. the one they did with Alessandro. It's Porto beautiful stuff, beautiful, beautiful equipment gear you know everything about it is just lovely <laughs> you know there's nothing not to like it's just that the, yeah. the matter of this fits into a stereo system you know and and that's yeah. that's yeah, which is not yeah, okay. that common yet in gotcha. eurac i don't think 
Paulie, have you? Have, I don't know if you've got any modular or whether you've been. Uh, is there I, a catalyst that would would make you jump? I got out of the. I, sorry, am I clipping or is that just my? No, you're right. Headphones. That's okay. Um, I got out of the game at six U one hundred four HP. And the, well so done. That Good job. I filled that case up, and I got out. <laughs> <laughs> so um i was counting up i was doing you know that meme of the the woman with all the equations going across her face <laughs> i was doing that to think do i have enough modules in order to give this a stereo uh path and i think i probably would just about but i'd need to put a wasp filter on one output and the dot for dirt for extreme filter on the other output and try and match them. So I have just enough modules to take advantage of this. But that said, I'm I'm quite happy with my my rack. Um, my main oscillator is an older one, um, a Pittsburgh DNA Symbiotic Waves. Do you remember that module at all? It had basically um, it was basically dual digital VCOs oh, um, that you could do various things like sync, ring modulate stuff like that. So. I've got some of that. I've got some dub for VCO, so I'm quite happy. I'm out. <laughs> you're out. It's like a game of poker, and you you you've you've That's left the, you've left the top table, and you're happy with it. And now you can actually afford to decorate your kid's bedroom. Exactly. Yeah. And I run my Amiga through mine. Remember? Ah, okay. I run two stereo channels of Amiga through it, so I've I can use some eight bit samples as oscillators and and modulators and as well and stuff. So that's nice. quite fun. <laughs> Matt, um, have you got any make noise stuff? I can't Paul, I can... Hang on, Paulie, I salute you. Getting out in time, well done. Because <laughs> this, this is just an excuse to just, I don't know, I'm just showing off, aren't I? I don't know what's wrong with me these days. I should just sell it all and just and, and <laughs> show everyone that I can make news without it. QI I've got, actually got a guitar. That, I've got a ukulele and guitar down here. I could just go back to that, I think. Nice. Um, I was actually looking at what make noise I've got. I've got um, I've got a couple of mats. Everyone needs a mat, and uh, maybe that's where I got my name from. Who knows? Hey. Uh, and a couple of Optimixes, which are like low-pass gates. have got this lovely, lovely sound to them. I used to have Rene, um, and I think I think that's it from make noise, but I, I, I do love mats. I think they got that one spot on. It's still really good. This, this one... Um, the thing I like about this, 11 discrete outputs. So yeah, you can get all the different waveforms at once. You can get 11 of them out into your system. Yeah. And one of the things that I tend to do when I'm making music, I, I, I don't tend to use pitch too much. It's, I mean, it's usually one note, um, and then I'm opening and closing filters and VCAs to make rhythms, and then banging kick drum. That, that's it, basically. So it's really important for me that any VCOs I'm using stay in tune. Now, if you can extrapolate 11 outputs from one VCO and you know that they're all going to be in tune with each other and you've got all that different timbre and I can run them through the different VCAs and VC, mm-hmm. uh, VCFs, that's that's brilliant for me. So forgetting it's mm-hmm. stereo and thinking about just the, the capacity of getting 11 discrete outputs, I think is really cool. And they're all going to be tuned I, this to me almost feels like I feel like getting rid of a load of oscillators, putting that in there, and um, and using that. Um, another little tip: um, f- if you want that kind of pseudo stereo 
in your euro rack i did this in in a video of mine once um is a really simple thing to do is take your oscillator put it through something like a 2 hp erica synths uh, reverb so mono in stereo out so what it does effectively gives you a stereo output which is it's it's not true stereo of course um you can put the reverb down to completely dry zero percent and then you've got a stereo output i tend to do that a lot and then once it's stereo like that i run that through stereo filters um or through effects or whatever you want for it so i i tend to do that a lot with bass i i tend to put my bass a lot in stereo everyone says don't do that i do it i just i love the sound of stereo bass sort of moving around um and then i'll i'll choose a few other mono ones which are right in them in the middle and that that works fine for me that that works really fine for me but i i, I think there is something to be said for having a true bespoke true stereo oscillator um because you you are going to get that relative movement between the left and right outputs and on, on this one you've got six corresponding left and right outputs uh sorry three pairs of two so six yeah um so you're going to get that true stereo so i'm quite interested in this one i have to say because i think i can see it replacing a number of my oscillators in right, here but interesting that's just for me mm. Mark Jaws says, uh, see, I'm lost. I, I, I just ripped the uh, the modular section from my Sweetwater catalogue and threw it away. Now, there's oh. that's that's <laughs> a way to do that. I mean, there, there's no escape, though. It'll still come to you. you know, you'll still be, get to see it, definitely. Um, did I come to well, everybody? I Sorry, I, I've, I've, I've sort of lost track. You had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with modular grid when I was planning uh, my yeah. system, just like dragging things in wild man. yeah well that you get the kind of you get the the, the endorphins of because isn't there a buy button on that way you could just kind of go okay i can buy all of these modules from somewhere that would be not dangerous. when i was using it thank goodness good thank god thank but goodness yeah. you that. the price though that's the worst thing you see the price at the yeah. bottom and it's just <laughs> <laughs> right, it's yeah. um if you look at my browsing history um you'll just see it's pretty much 95 percent modular grid and then right. like emails and a bit of Facebook. That's that's basically yeah. my internet history. That that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Well, <laughs> I, I, anyway, I I just thought that was uh, that was worth throwing in there. Um, uh, uh, I can't even remember what the topic was now. God, I'm really there's too many things going on here. There's quite a lot of stuff going past in the chat. I'm not entirely sure if it's all working. I've got some questions lined up, but I did want to get to this question at this this one because I think this throws up some interesting points as well. So let's uh, let's let's run this one. This is the news that uh, the Bastille Time has been discontinued uh, due to chip shortages. Uh, here's a few examples of it. It's a very interesting device, actually. It's a sort of digital uh, tape with all kind of modulation and sequencing kind of concepts. But, uh, yeah, according to uh, you, to uh, a story on um, Synthtopia, uh, it's basically, yeah, chip shortage. I mean, it was discontinued anyway. It had been previously discontinued, and then I think there's another instance where the chip shortages just kind of created another another shortage and after a while it's just like you know what because i mean manufacturers can't really just they can't really just redesign the whole thing every time you can't get a component there's some real if you, actually if you're interested um you should check that link out there's some great comments from uh, a commenter called frodo on there uh, uh who sort of because mm. people going what chip shortage i don't really understand what's happening and he kind of outlines it the akm fire which got rid of a lot of a to d and d to a stuff which isn't just for audio that can be for voltages and other signals 
COVID obviously has restricted a number of the factories. Uh, there's also quite, a, when you come down to it, a small number of fabrication plants are, make these chips. So as soon as demand is increased, like Texas Instruments or whatever, suddenly it just kind of goes out of the water and you can't get them. And you can't run your production line based on, I might be able to source 50 of these on eBay at five times the price and make a few more. Yeah. There's a number of things about this. I mean, first of all, I wanted to see what people thought about that. But I also thought, well, does this mean perhaps we're going to in, uh, see a new era where people are going to be picking up instruments that they don't have to have chips to be able to play? Are we going to see a resurgence of guitar or, you know, bongos or whatever? I don't know. Uh, I'll come to you first, Paulie. Because I, I had a bit of an idea, didn't I? I was thinking you could um, get some kind of low string instrument, maybe just with one, um, one string on it to keep it simple. And you could have a couple of foot pedals, one which did like a little kick drum, and then another pedal which kind of, I don't know, um, oh, it was like a hurdy-gurdy kind of thing. So you span it, low drone notes, one pedal for a kick drum and one pedal to kind of gate the, like a felt thing on the hurdy-gurdy. So it ah, give so you where, the, where the rosin hits the string, yeah. That's it. So you could stop it so you could get like a burp 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 and then get your little kick going and you could you could have like some serious bass hurdy-gurdy techno jams that's just where my mind goes you know what that's not too unreasonable because i I know the reason i say this is when i was in uh, spain and we went to this festival i forget it was what which one it was it was i think it was saint john and they have a big bonfire, and it's all quite feral, you know. And there are people throwing bomb yeah. uh, fireworks around on the beach in the in crowds of people, and all these kids running around till two o'clock in the morning with bangers, you know, at twelve year old, wow. whatever. It looked great, uh, but the music that was accompanying when they lit the fire was this sort of really. It was like techno folk so sort of bazookies and hurdy-gurdies and it, it yeah. really worked for that sort of thing so i think i think you could be you could be onto something there uh i don't know robin i don't know if you're a string you you play a stringed instrument as well don't you but do you do you think that we're going to see a change um possibly i mean acoustic sequencing is that is that could that become a thing where you're having to poke holes and bits of card and uh peg, pegs are revolving around and then triggering bits and pieces you're like getting it. very uh, electroacoustic i guess without the electro bit so just a just acoustic what does that look like is it just somebody playing guitar and drums i mean is that really where we're an actual band an actual band i mean i was i found it quite interesting that the car situation seems to drive a lot of this where (laughs) there's a pun anyway that um when new cars are now cheaper than secondhand cars because they they can't make them you know so secondhand cars are becoming more in uh, more desirable and so go up in price because they actually have functional stuff that you can repair whereas there are no chips to make new cars and they're starting to have to make uh, analog dials again and things like that within the dashboard mm. which is great you know in some ways this pushes us towards uh something steampunk. that feels somehow less <laughs> yeah yeah very steampunky very integrated very human and emotional and tactile and all those sorts of nice things because we're pushing the digital stuff out of the way because we can't make anything with it so yeah it's interesting is this a step towards all the power going off i think and uh yeah ultimately in our future we have uh we do have to return oh to our acute so we're, we're heading no wait a minute we're heading towards what you've described really is uh mad max or those kind of dystopian yes. sort of um uh, what was the thing it's like blade runner 2049 when you've got all the people who've got all the chips and then everybody else who's kind of like 
um, you know, those rooms full of small children uh, removing gold <laughs> from circuit boards to try and kind of... Uh, yes. make, I don't know, that is a bit dystopian. I don't know. Matt, what do you think? I mean, because I think it could be a very real thing. We could be, end up in a situation where we are actually beginning to well, see people taking up things that they know that they can play and they know that they can fix and they know that they can continue to use perhaps yeah there might there might be that but someone someone did mention just in the in the live stream chat um is going back to plugins i mean they don't break <laughs> you, you know they're there um unless your os doesn't work so it might be that i think what i'm more interested in is, is what are the lessons that the manufacturers have learned from this have they sat around and gone, okay, we can't have this happen again, or we don't know how long this is going to go on for. What are we going to do? Are we going to redesign our processes? Are we going to stop relying on these particular chips? Are we going to start building chips in-house? Um, and if we do that, how are we going to include that in the price of the, the products we sell? Are we going to look at completely different mechanisms? Um, are we going to look at completely different product lines? You know, I'm really interested to know what the conversations that these companies are having behind closed doors, if you like, mm. about about what they're going to do. Because I I don't know when this chip shortage is going to end. It hasn't ended. It's there are chips coming through. It, it's better, but it hasn't ended. And uh, I, I guess we're kind of also learning this same problem. I don't want to go into this too much, but as you know, fuel prices are, are, mm. are skyrocketing and and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So. Well, we're all learning a lesson here about uh, dependency on materials that are not um, easily accessible or not, or, or not from this country or not built by us. Um, and I think we all need to take a long, hard look at ourselves, don't you? Well, you're probably <laughs> right. It, 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 you're right. It's very interesting. I mean, I think the thing about chips is, uh, quickly, because I do have to get another uh, a couple of things in, um, the thing about chips is it's a very non-trivial thing to make. You do need very specific manufacturing sort of conditions for this if you're going to make yeah. these sort of tiny, tiny nanometer sort of things like we're seeing. So uh, I, I think the US government just uh, bankrolled IBM or the chip industry like billions to start making chips fabric to open fabrication plants on sort of US soil. So that's uh, whether they did the right thing and bankrolled the right company, who knows? But that's that. So there is something going on there. But I wonder if we're going to enter a situation where chips get bigger because because they're easier to make in your shed rather than in a special sure. kind of clean room. So we'll end up with these sort of massive sandwich chips that, you know, anybody can make, but, you know, the uh, the calculator would be the size of, uh, you know, your uh, uh, your VCR. You know, I don't know. Nice. Uh, anyway, some, something to think about. Uh, and in, while we think about that, we'll have a little uh, mention from our friends over at Baby Audio. Of course, uh, they make uh, creative effects plugins. Speaking of plugins, very apt. Uh, designed to add colour and depth to your mixes, Baby Audio won Club Plugin of the Year 2020 and Future Music and Computer Music Magazine uh, nominated for the SOS Awards two years in a row. Uh, may, maybe try a Smooth Operator, a resonance suppression, equalisation and compression plug-in hybrid that automatically eliminates resonances and muddiness. Very useful. Allows you to check your track's tonal response while the plug-in automatically eliminates resonances in the background. In fact, you can save 15% off when checking out with the code ST15 at babyaudio.com. That's right. If you use the code ST15, you can save 15% on plugins over at babyaudio.com, which may well tie in with uh, Matt's suggestion we all just use plugins. But then we need the machines to run them 
on, which does require chips. All the chips should make computers, and maybe that's that. Uh, I don't know. It seems. It seems. Um, so I, I think I'm going. I'm sorry. I've been rushing things on along a little bit because I'm conscious that we do have some questions. If I'm going to ask people to uh, uh, to actually um, answer questions, then I should probably um, actually do them. So um, let's hear. Let's let's start off with. Uh, I've got a question from. This is comes from Samuel Madden via Twitter. Uh, this is the Sonic State QQ. So uh, if you want to do that via Twitter, Sam the Bongo Man. Do you think we'll see any advanced samplers, example, late 90s, early noughties, rack samplers, Octatrack, you know, S1000, S5000 innovation, or do you think we've maxed out what people can handle? And I think this is this is kind of an interesting uh, question, actually. I don't know, Paulie, I'll come to you first, because I know you're big on, on, on some of that older hardware, and, you know, it may well I, be uh, right I, up um, the street. I mean, I was born in, like, 1982, so growing up, these rack samplers were like everywhere in studios. You know, you'd see a studio on a TV, see a studio in a film, or when I actually got to university, um, everything was like big rack samplers. I wonder if software has replaced the utility part of the rack sampler, if you understand me, not the sound, because, mm -hmm. you know, we all have our Kurzweil and Insonic and Emu racks and stuff. I wonder if if software samplers have replaced the um, utility kind of, you know, getting mm. your bread and butter sounds part of sampling. And I wonder if we're not going to see any more rack samplers because the creative stuff is now released kind of in desktop format, isn't it? In terms of desktop samplers. Um, like Gotherman does a bunch of really, really odd stuff with samples like... Um, I've got a Gothaman unit where you can change start point, end point, put different effects on, filter FM, all sorts of stuff. You've got the Octa track as well, haven't you, from Electron, which is very advanced. So I wonder if we'll ever see rack samplers again, because people used to buy them for the utility of them. They had lots of RAM in. They had maybe like zip drives or SCSI drives. And and that kind of part of it has kind of been replaced by software, sadly, because I still have rack samplers that I use and, and love. I suppose the thing is, yeah, I, I mean, I think if you think about it also, uh, samplers have A to Ds and D to As in them, which is what most yes. of, you know, if you've got any computer in it whatsoever, uh, you've probably got that going on in your life. I don't know, do you, do you miss that? Do you, think, do you think also, Robin, that maybe it's become, you know, what we can do with samples with the modern technology is kind of almost too much for a sample UI to handle if it's in hardware? Mm. Yeah, I, I think sampling has well, sampling has changed again because you know, over the last decade we've we've sampled everything. Everything has been sampled within an inch of its existence, you know. And you can buy any library for any sound you could possibly imagine and dump it into your computer, and off you go. And I think what I've seen happen more recently is that everyone's out doing their own sampling now. So having a rack sampler is actually of no use to you because you want to be outside sampling that bee that's pollinating that flower over there or that stream or that car going past you know with a handheld type recorder or or something of that nature so people's phones perhaps have turned into uh, the sampler in their pocket which they can then bring back dump it into contact or whatever sampler they they want to use in their software and use it that way so i think uh, as paulie says about the utility of a of a sampler that that doesn't really exist anymore you know you used to edit mm. on those tiny little screens and that was that was a good workflow but the workflow in a door is is 
so much superior, really in most respects. The only thing that's missing is the grabbing of that sample in the first place. So rather than having another Bosendorfer piano, you can go out and, and sample your Nan's piano, you know, and, and use and have some character and in, in, an individuality in what you're doing. I think that's, that's where sampling is going these days. Yeah, good point. And also, obviously, uh, the amount of sample space in your computer is with disk streaming is kind of, you know, you know this, this, we don't have you know, two modes or two, you know, whatever. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with both of those points. Some really, really good points there, um, particularly with Paulie talking about, you know, samplers now that become like your Octatracks or the Akai Force, where they're not just standalone units, they're now... <clears throat> empowered to be able to do performance and sequencing and they've essentially got a, a, a sequencer and a, a DAW inside of it. And then you've got, to go back to modular, you've got the Bitbox Micro. This tiny little thing is so, so powerful. Mm. Sampling into it, um, the effects, the filtering, the pitching, and then it's got the playback just like in uh, DA, um, Ableton with the clip launching, everything in time. So we've kind of gone there. Then I'm also thinking about new hardware samplers and, and things. And what, what was that white hardware granular sampler stroke synthesizer that came out? It's really, really Ooh, cool. I remember um, that. Forgetting yes. the name of it, but I can't that was the that. kind of first hardware granular sampler stroke synthesizer, if you like. I, I call it more of a sampler because it really relied on samples and sampling into it in order to produce the audio. And before that, I, I I wasn't aware of any hardware one. That's it. What what's that called, Polly? It's it called, called. Is it called the G R G R M or G R H? Yes, that's right. Sample. That's right. Yeah. Tasty pick. Uh, to, so, uh, to, yeah, I can't remember who made it now. Tasty chips. G R one. Tasty. Thank chip. you. Well done. Thank you very much. And I guess that to answer your question, I think that's that for me has been like oh. That's really quite interesting. I've not seen that really with hardware before. I could be wrong. Um, but then again, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Kyma systems back in the day. They were doing amazing audio processing, um, real-time audio processing with samples that I haven't seen replicated anywhere. Uh, Kyma, K-Y-M-A. Yeah. It allowed you to get um, like a, a sample of a dog barking and um, uh, someone singing, and you could you could cross between one to the other. And I don't mean an audio crossfade. Actually, yeah, it, it was more FFT morph. crossfade, wasn't it? Yeah. FFT crossfading. So I'd like to see more of that abilities in, in hardware, in, in particularly inside of these things. Imagine yeah. doing that kind of thing. And the, the GR1, in this, in this, while you're playing live, while you've got the sequencing and that going on. So a bit of a long answer there, but that's where I'd perhaps like to see that go. Yeah. Here's a little uh, factoid. Yep. Did you know that the Emacs SE, not even the Emacs 2, the Emacs SE from like 1986 or something, can do that kind of FFT um, combination of two samples? It just takes forever oh. to render, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cool yeah, thing about well, Kyra gonna, was we, all we, in real time. Real time, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. Did, yeah cool. I, I agree. I mean, I think there's, there's some of that stuff in... Um, Oh, what's the one that's inside the Osmos or uh, the the engine that's inside the Osmos? I can't remember what that uh, what that is. It's the uh, uh, f uh, probably uh, can't quite figure that out. Paulie seems to have dropped. A camera's dropped out, but that's all right. We'll work on it. Okay, back again. Phew. Uh, right. Uh, well, let's try another question then. Um, let's see where we're going to. Uh, 
uh, uh, oh, okay. I'm going to go for this because it sort of ties in with one of the uh, one of the questions that I one of the topics I was going to run because we heard that DistroKid has just uh, added uh, video distribution to their whole thing. If for those who don't know, mm. uh, dis- companies like DistroKid, uh, you you send them the track and they can do all of their stuff. They're now adding video to that so they can you can distribute your video. And this is a question from. Uh, uh, Robarth, uh, is DistroKid a good choice for a mature home musician as myself, or are there better ones for a first release? I suppose that's that. That would go to. I'll go to Matt because Matt, you do quite a lot of. Um, yes, sort of I, yourself. I can answer this one, mate. Um, good question. I spent last year. I released one track every month last year, and um, I went through all the distribution sites. And I chose one called RootNote. The reason I went to RootNote is because they charge you zero. You don't pay any yearly fee. You don't even pay to put your music out there. And it puts it out on Apple Music, Spotify, and everything. Um, You just give them a slightly bigger percentage of the royalties. Now, for an artist starting out, that percentage of the royalties is nothing. So don't worry about that. But it gets your music out there. And if you get signed to a big label, you can take your music from RootNote and you can then put it through their distribution platform and then get on a better rate anyway. So I would go to RootNote. Now, um, they're really good, really, really quick. Upload your artwork, goes out to all the stores. I use them, no problem at all. When it comes to the video, we was going to talk about DistroVid. DistroVid, um, yeah, which is part of Videos out there. This really sickens me. I, I just, this whole business, you know, this... It's really got to me actually uh, releasing a song a month and the whole kind of streaming thing and paying to put music out there and paying now to put your video out there. I just, it doesn't sit well with me. In fact, I've made a decision. I'm pulling all of my music off all the streaming sites. I'm only going to make everything available via Bandcamp from now on. And that includes um, some of the videos as well. I'm going to go that route. I think as a starting out musician, it can be good to get onto the streaming sites, but really it's nothing more than a promotion tool and you don't make any money from it. And you could put your money on Bandcamp and you could have subscribers. I have a subscription on there and I, I make far more money on there than I do through any of the streaming sites. And that, that includes music that I've got on some Netflix programs that are streaming and I'm getting a lot of streams from it and I'm not making nearly anywhere as much money as I'm making from mm. my monthly Bandcamp subscribers. So Bandcamp are really, really cool. They weigh fees as well at different times through the year. So I hope that helps you. Root note, go check it out. Yeah, that's a that's a good nice. good tip. And Robin, do you do you get the chance to release much stuff? I mean, what would you suggest? I I do from time to time. I, I very I I discovered DistroKid at sort of the right time where I was paying yearly yearly numbers, yearly amounts of money to TuneCore to keep to keep really old stuff online, which just seemed kind of ridiculous. But then there were those three people who would listen to it every year. You know, I'd get my Spotify view things back and there's those three people who love those old albums from 15 years ago. So it's like, sod it. I will move everything to DistroKid, pay one fee and it's and it's all up there. So that uh, I hadn't heard about this RootNote one. That sounds that sounds really good. But DistroKid, as opposed to TuneCore, really sorted me out in terms of back catalogue. I think that works really well. I think there's something inherently awesome about the feeling of having your music out there where everybody else has it. 
I think that's as a as a new artist, as a home music maker, there's something very exciting about that because you know you dream about releasing, you dream about being signed, you dream about being in a record shop, you know all of those things, and having your music being able to be streamed on Spotify or found or discovered that way has a huge element of joy attached to it. Now, I know that it's nonsense. We all know that it's nonsense. We all know we're not going to own it, uh, make any money, but there's still that element of feeling that you are amongst the the greats. You are amongst mm. music. You know, people can find Rolling Stones and then they can find you, you know, and, and there's something to be said for that. However, I absolutely agree with the Bandcamp thing. That is, that is hands down the, the best... Um, I don't know, the best solution, yeah, that, they, the best they, place they, where it all comes together. You know, once you've got over the, the starry-eyedness of being on Amazon, then, uh, you know, go to Bandcamp and that's that's definitely the best place for you. But it, it's not going to be any easier, but it's it feels really great to be uh, selling stuff through Bandcamp. Yeah, I would agree with that. And they support other stuff. I mean, that, you know, you could do it via Patreon. There are other kind of similar things as well where you could do that. I don't know, Paulie, what, what do you do? I mean, or what have you done? I'm I'm going to be very honest here and say that the the business side of music absolutely terrifies me. I find it quite difficult to navigate. I find it um I don't know. It's it's something that's outside of the nice lovely little mm. self-sustaining feelings of self-worth I get from making music for me you know, as an internal mindfulness, creative process. So to put things out there, um, and especially to, to, to get into, you know, all the stories of stick with me kid and or make you famous or something like that. I'm very, very wary of, of basically doing anything with, with anyone in terms of the industry. Um, but it's it would seem that I'm going to have to start doing this stuff now because um, when we put out the Arcade Dreams documentary, which should be at some point um, in the probably late this year, early next year, we're going to do a soundtrack CD, um, well, a CD of the soundtrack with all my original compositions for the documentary on. Um, and... At that point, I'll have to kind of, you know, release and and look at these options and things like that and then look into promotion and stuff. But I find it very, very intimidating mm, outside yeah, of the lovely internal mindfulness. But I does think that, that make the, any sense? No, it absolutely does. And I think that's the one thing. I mean, we should also put, point out that uh, uh, Bandcamp did get bought by Epic, actually. Uh, was it early this year or late last year? So far, things haven't changed. They've still been doing the kind of you know, the occasional Friday of waiving artist fees so that people can put hit their release points. It, does, it seems to be quite benevolent. Um, and it feels like, I, I mean, I put some stuff out on Bandcamp and I did it because it was gentle and it was easy and I didn't have to kind mm. of do big promo. I mean, you know, I'm fortunate and we've got you know we've got the sonic state platform so i can say oh i put a couple yeah. of tunes out and then it makes me feel good when people go i like this I, I mean it wouldn't make me feel good if everybody said it's awful i hate it i mean why would you want to do that who wants to expose <laughs> themselves to that mass level of uh, opinion based on you know but yeah i totally understand where you're coming from with that uh, paulie it's when, it's um, not when sing song harmonics volume two coming out nick yeah that's a good question <laughs> that, 
Great idea for title for it. I think I might do that. That's going to be the next, maybe that'll be the next Friday fun volume. I'll call it Sing Song Harmonics. And now uh, we'll nice. do that. But I mean, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm currently thinking, you know, along these lines because obviously, you know, Sonic is a business and we have to do our things, yeah. and that's one of the things I'm trying to think about. In, you know, how can we direct some of the more creative things towards Patreon and not you? I mean, YouTube's great and it's providing the transport for all of this stuff, but you know, ultimately, you know, they don't care about us. I mean, if they change policy, things could change. Whereas if we've got a, if yeah. you can control and keep curate your own. Um, kind of fan base then you know yes. that's the that's the best way to be i, I you know in, in maybe ways, um, then you're in... maybe we should all do a, a charity album or something get all the sonic state stable people in a couple of people could like collab on each track and then just bung it out well, we did. We did. Uh, may I draw you to uh, Sonic uh, Sonic 001, uh, which was the album that oh, was yes, released I remember uh, that. last year, which was some gr- really good quality stuff on there. Some great stuff on there. If you're still, that's on Bandcamp. So yeah, good yeah. question though. Uh, thank you very much. To uh, sorry, who was it who answered that? Rocky. Uh, no, that's not what the one. That's the problem with these thirds. They just go past, and then I throw it up again. It's like, oh no, that's not it anymore. It's gone. But uh, thanks for the question. I think we're probably. Uh, I, I need to figure out the timings of how this works because there's so many more questions i will try and store some of those for later but uh, please do keep them coming uh and if you if you didn't get it in maybe just chuck it on twitter um so that it'll be there for next week if you feel strongly and you want it to be answered um matt what's next for you i guess we're sort of on to goodbyes where where are you going next have you got any uh, gigs coming up what's what's happening in your world what have you got to play no no live gigs at the minute i'm just finishing off an album as, as you know last year i released a track a month um and now i'm i'm gonna do a big bang sort of album going out kind of thing or it might be two eps i'm not sure that and also designing my new studio um which i'm looking forward to getting set up uh which is going to be a lot lot better set up to allow me to do more live streaming um more instantaneous i'm so i'm really going to be picking up the live streaming and doing more videos and and that kind of thing so planning for that i'm also planning on how to um because this is going to go into a desk i'm actually designing a a mixing desk to have these incorporated in it at a kind of angle so i'm playing around with some ideas and working with some people on coming up on on how to have it best kind of set out so i'm sat down i've got it available and might have some extra sort of um um the the little um, what they called system 500s or whatever series 500 compressors and Ah, things like that might be getting some of that so just looking at um a whole new setup um really for the for the live streaming and just writing and recording doing a lot of stuff like that uh behind the scenes just being really creative excellent well i'm glad to hear that uh robin what's next for you what's what Mm. reviews have you got in the pipeline what have you uh what have you got coming up Oh, well, I mean, endless reviews, I suspect, but um, on the live music uh, theme, there's electronic music open mic night in Norwich tomorrow that I'm hoping to drag this, know that system along to. Uh, I'll make something up at like tea time and then turn up at half seven and go, here we go. Is that the first time you've chaos. done it? No, no, no. I do it sporadically. <laughs> and it's i try to do it every month but it ends up being once in a while so I, i've dedicated myself to doing it tomorrow at some point so that'll be exciting and also in, i'm trying to come up with a, a norwich synth uh festival a synth fest norwich or a molten modular synth meet yeah 
which is at the moment working on trying to get something together for October, November, later in the year, which is exciting. And I'm very uh, enthused about the idea of a, of a synth fest in, in the east of England. Yeah, actually, that's worth mentioning uh, because uh, DivKid uh, Modular Meets Leeds is on, yes. uh, I think, weekend after next. Is that right? I don't know what the dates are. I think they're 13th and 14th of August. Uh, do check that out. Uh, I think we put a post up about it on so on Sonic, but uh, that I was contemplating going, but it's just such a long trip from here. But uh, if you're that side of the country and that's going to be good, that's going to be two days of synth stuff. And I think it's really, I, 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 I applaud you for doing that because I, I thought about going to doing an open synth nights. There used to be one in Froome, not, not far from me. I, I think COVID kind of put pay to it. Hopefully it might start up again. And I might consider doing that and just think, right, I will make a small thing and just force myself to do it, even though I think yeah. oh, every bone in my body is going, oh, I don't want to, it's too humiliating, everybody will judge me, you know, all of yeah. that stuff. But I think it's really, it's it's a good muscle to exercise when when and if you can, for sure, performance of any kind. So good on Absolutely, you, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's terrifying, as you say, and you can't see, you can't hear, you're a little bit drunk. You know, it's the perfect place to uh, yeah, showcase absolutely. your talent. <laughs> <laughs> Paulie, what about you? What's next for you? I know you're finishing up some videos for your new YouTube channel, which is... Excellent. Yeah. I knew I'd get that in there one time at least. You could be a radio DJ with jingles that... <laughs> high quality um, you do the jingles and yeah. i'll do that yeah okay i'll press yeah, the button. yeah brilliant so um obviously i'm going to finish that off this week hopefully um but yeah it's um i believe we've had some good news with arcade dreams so we've got like um you know our financial future is looking great so i'm going to continue working on that that's the soundtrack and, you're doing um, on the history of arcade games, I should add, because if uh, people... Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, really so that's going to be interesting. A hundred years worth of genres of music, <laughs> which will be fun. Um, so I'm just going to keep plugging away. And of course, in in obviously, I'm happy to, to join in Sonic Talk, but I might need a couple of weeks off um, in about a month's time because my wife is giving birth, so... <laughs> I think you'll let me off for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, of course. Let's have to get some of our other guests to step up as well. I know they've had a great summer, and that's that's all. Well, they're all working basically. That's yeah, that's yeah, part sure. of the problem. Um, uh, Tom said he loved your jingle, by the way. Uh, uh, Atomic Tom. So love the jingle. So oh, uh, you know, lovely. Nice to see. Um, okay, well, I think we're we're. I, I think I said goodbye to everybody. We should probably um, knock things out next week. If all goes to plan, we will be coming from uh, Metropolis in London at Roland's HQ, and then we'll go on to the opening of their new store in uh, Denmark Street, which will be next Wednesday, I'm hoping, because there's no reason why I couldn't do this from their place. So we'll see if we can do that. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you, everybody. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye now. <laughs>